Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 73, an Isaiah Recap Before we dive into 2 Nephi chapter 25, which we'll do next week, I thought that a recap of all that we've learned from Isaiah would be helpful. We began at the beginning of, of the summer with these episodes on Isaiah. I've attempted each week to dive in prayerfully I have not been educated on Isaiah besides what the Institute manuals have to say. And purposely, I have not dived into any other book that has been written on Isaiah. Even those great ones that are about understanding Isaiah or giving us background to him. And now that I'm done, I'm excited to read those. I'm excited to learn more about him and more about what his words are trying to communicate. And so you might ask, why didn't you read those books when you were preparing these podcast episodes? And here's the reason. Because I desire to rely on the spirit of prophecy. I desire to have an experience with that. I desire to rely on reading and pondering and then receiving guidance from the spirit. President Nelson says we are to learn how to receive revelation. And I thought... Well, this is a good exercise as I read the words of Isaiah that the Savior says are so important for me to understand and to read, and that I was going to rely on the Spirit to guide my thoughts as to what messages I needed to take away. Now, this isn't the first time I've read Isaiah, but it is my first time taking an entire week to reread his words, to let certain phrases linger in my mind to try and find application to what I'm experiencing, and also to ask for the Spirit to help me understand in a greater and more significant way Isaiah's words, to understand more than I had previously understood before I had read the chapter. Nephi in chapter 25, regarding the words of Isaiah that he had transcribed onto the plates that he was preparing, In verse 8, he says, They are of worth unto the children of men. And he that supposeth that they are not, unto them will I speak particularly, and confine the words unto mine own people. For I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. Let my episodes on Isaiah be just your your launching point, Sister Scriptorians. I hope that you will trust in Nephi's words that we in the latter days, and that includes you, will be able to understand Isaiah's words. You are capable. These words have been preserved for our good for today. Therefore, I thought, let's recall what we have learned from our friend who is looking out for us, even Isaiah. First, beginning in 2 Nephi chapter 12, we are given the invitation to come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And this invitation is extended to all. 
Isaiah does not mince words when he explains that ye have all gone astray, everyone to his wicked ways. So if you're curious as to whether he is talking to you, he is. (laughs) Let me just clarify, he is. (laughs) And that is great news. Because if we heed the words of Isaiah, the words that the Savior himself found great worth in, then we can know how to course correct and then walk in the Lord's light. We will then be prepared to accept the invitation. Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We will accept him as our judge and we will change our hearts or he will change our hearts. We will beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. The light of the Lord changes us. No wonder we're being invited to come unto it. When we accept Isaiah's invitation to walk in the light of the Lord, we will do away with all or at least put in its proper place the things we mistakenly thought brought us light. Our Lord and his law, oh, it it will be enough. Therefore, we're not going to seek after alternative powers like Isaiah says that are found in soothslayers. God's power will be more than enough to heal us, and we will wait upon him. Now, do I think this is talking about modern medicine and and all that? No, but it is finding power in God's healing and his ability to preserve us. We'll discover that our silver and our gold, they don't bring us light. Our warring with one another does not bring us power. Our idols are nothing but trinkets to be abolished, and our pride, well, it will only bring us low. Isaiah warns us that without the presence of the Lord, when he removes himself, always because of our lack of devotion to him and to his ways, the balance that aids in our prosperity, it's it's going to begin to erode. In episode 63, The best word I could come up with, and I haven't figured out a better one, but I refer to it as displacement. Isaiah warns that the stay in the staff, the whole staff of bread and the whole stay of water will be taken away. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator All who aid society in edifying itself, who help society to reach towards light and beauty, well, well, they'll no longer be available. And without them to lead, then foolish leaders will then reign. So desperate for leadership will the people become that they will ask foolish leaders to lead them. But then the people will oppress one another. And I hope that as you've thought and pondered about this, that you've committed that even at the basic level, the one that you actually have the most influence upon in your home and in your communities and in your ward, that you are not oppressing others. 
Women, it is the most beautiful thing when good women support good women. Do you comprehend the power, your kind words, and the acknowledgement of goodness that you see in others, and how it fills them up and sustains another woman who is just trying to hold on? Do you know the influence you have over them? Please, none of this tearing down because of our jealousies or our differences. That does so much damage. Especially when we don't extend ourselves to make it right, to fix our mistakes. You never know. You just never know the effects that your insensitivities may have on women of the church. Isaiah warned the daughters of Zion of their pride and of their apostasy. Our friend Isaiah gave us a warning to keep in check our haughtiness or our pride and our contempt. In episode 63, I likened this to modesty. And remember, I wasn't just talking about the lengths of our hemlines, but the modesty of our thoughts and our behaviors and our manners. Severe consequences of grief and turmoil will come to those of us who do not seek after the power of virtue, the power the Savior offers his daughters. But all is not lost. The atonement is so real. The Lord has the power that once these consequences take place, he has the power to wash away the filth of the daughters of Zion. And I don't know how long that's going to take and how long the daughters of Zion will be in that state. But in 2 Nephi chapter 14, we are promised that the Lord will recreate upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and a shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory of Zion shall be a defense, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and a covert from storm and from rain. The Lord can and will take care of his people. Our sights firmly set upon him and our adherence to his ways. Well, it gives us the protection by day and light by night. Because remember, our Lord, he's like the master of the vineyard in which he has planted his most choice vine. And he fences it, and he nurtures it, and he removes the stones from it, and he builds a tower in the midst of it. And a wine press has he even built with the expectation that the good vine will produce good fruit. But it doesn't. And the Lord, or the master of the vineyard, withdraws himself. Just as the Lord is not present when we cover our neighbor or become greedy or we engage in drunkenness or disregard the work of the Lord and not consider the operation of his hands. Without regard for the Lord's ways, honorable men become famished because what they crave, what do honorable men crave? They crave and thirst after virtue, but it is not to be found 
and the multitude dries up with thirst. Our sins then blind us, and we become arrogant before God, demanding signs from Him, tempting Him that He can have our love, and He can have our devotions and our belief in Him if He will just show us signs of His power. When the children of God have ripened in iniquity, it is then that they will call evil good and good evil. But despite all of this, the rejection of truth and of God's power and the escalation of our pride, our Lord still has his hand stretched out. And he says he will set up an ensign, a beacon to call us back to him. How I love him. Because I can see his hand stretched out just waiting for us to just look beyond our pride, to look beyond our iniquity, and to take his hand and he'll pull us towards him. Unless you think that you're not worthy of the Lord's mercy, of his embrace, of his presence in your life, Isaiah shares with us his calling to become the Lord's prophet and how initially he too felt, Woe is unto me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. There is hope to be found in these verses. There is hope that comes in knowing that the societies in which we live in, they may have, and they do, they have unclean lips. But this does not need to affect our standing before the Lord because he can purify us. His atonement, like the live coal that the seraphim took from the altar of God and placed upon the lips of Isaiah, can take away our iniquity and purge us of sin, we can be transformed from woe is unto me for I am undone to here am I, send me. When he calls upon us to do his work, his work among our families, our neighborhoods, our wards and stakes, our service on missions, or in any other capacity that the Lord calls us to do his work. Because of his atonement, we can be made clean. We can be sanctified. We can be through his grace more than what we ever thought we could be. And we can say, here am I, send me. And there is no power that can transform us for the better than the Lord's power. It is him that we should look to make a confederacy when we feel threatened, when we feel overwhelmed, overpowered, and under-equipped, he asks us to look to him and take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. It takes faith to follow counsel like that. You know, it might even take repentance a few times in order to be able to follow counsel like that. Especially when you feel your enemy closing in on you, when they seem so powerful and that they're working against you. But I believe 
that our faith can be likened to the kind of faith that the Lord was asking King Ahaz to have, which Ahaz chose not to exercise. I believe that when we make a confederacy with Emmanuel, meaning God with us, we can take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. And then he in turn promises our enemy will not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Isaiah writes, let the Lord be your fear, and let him be your dread, and he shall be for a sanctuary. He instructs us to bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Now, does this mean that we should be spared from all difficulties in life? No. There will be times that we will feel like we are walking in darkness. And this can be for various reasons. But we must look for the great light. That must be our continual desire to look for the great light. This light will multiply us and increase our joy. This light is fulfilled in the scripture, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And when he does come again, the day of visitation, where will you find yourself? To whom will you flee for help? Where will you leave your glory? Will it be in him? Are you practicing that now? Everything awesome about you, are you giving him the glory he deserves? Is it not his grace, his mercy that is shining you up and adding upon you? Are you spreading that light? Are you reaching out to the needy, the poor of his people, the widows and the fatherless? Are we preparing ourselves now to be the few people left after the Lord comes again? And whatever you imagine that their character must be to be there to be able to greet the Savior, are you on the path now of developing it? Have hope, sister scriptorians. Hope is the message of Isaiah. Yes, there's a lot of warning and prophecy of devastation, but there is hope. Whether it is the expression of the Lord's hand stretched out still, or the promise of the stem of Jesse, in him, Jesus Christ, we can find wisdom, counsel, and might, Isaiah says. We find the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. In him, we find perfect judgment and equity. Is that not what our world is craving right now? His attributes are our righteousness and faithfulness. We have been given him as a beacon to follow, a righteous branch to perch ourselves upon. And out of the stem of Jesse, a root will emerge, and this root will stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. This root represents the prophet Joseph Smith, or what I believe any prophet since, that has been an ensign to call us unto Jesus Christ, and to give us the vision on how Isaiah's prophecy regarding Ephraim and Judah can possibly come to pass. Isaiah said that the envy of Ephraim also shall depart, 
and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. Again, a message of hope. We are not left alone to figure any of this out. We have been given an exemplar, someone that we can emulate. We have been given prophets, and through them we have been given an ensign to know where to come to, to receive further light and knowledge as we look forward to that millennial day. Because Jesus Christ is our salvation. And like Isaiah boldly declares, it is he that we should put our trust in. He is our strength and he is our song. And we should drink of the water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Isn't this what God's people should be doing? Isn't it in he who we shall find our joy in? Isn't this the joy we desire to share with our loved ones? And haven't we witnessed the transforming power of Jesus Christ? Isn't that what we crave to see in our communities and throughout Isn't it his banner that we have covenanted to lift up upon the high mountain of the Lord to draw God's children unto him? Doesn't such a duty cause you to rejoice? Do you desire to find yourself among his sanctified and mighty ones? I hope you see that within yourselves. I hope you feel the love of your Savior testifying to you that there is a place for you with him. And I also hope that you feel the reassurance in Second Nephi chapter 23 that the effects of the wickedness will not always be pressing upon you. That there will come a time when enough will be enough and the Lord will do his work among the wicked. It will be cruel both with wrath and fierce anger and the land will be desolate and the sinners destroyed. Let us commit to be a part of God's children who love him and are busy lifting the banner, calling as many as we can unto him. Because if you aren't for him, then you are for the adversary, the son of the morning, or in other words, Lucifer. Isaiah assures us that Lucifer will fall. He will be cut down. This son of God, whose pride caused him to aspire above God and to seek to obtain God's power and glory will be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And it is there that we will see him for who he truly is. Remember, Isaiah writes in verse 16 of 2 Nephi 24, that they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and shall consider thee and shall say, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? Is this the man? Because of the words of Isaiah, the words that Nephi preserved for his people and for us, 
we can find power to not succumb to Satan, to no longer be fooled by his tricks. Because of the words of Isaiah, we can have hope and reassurance that attaching ourselves to the Savior, to his attributes, to his ensign, and assisting him in lifting the banner, it will not be fruitless. He is our light. He is our salvation. He should be our song. Let us see where we have gone astray and let us recommit to walk in the light of the Lord. Our confederacy with him will give us the power we need to transform, to no longer be wild fruit, but to be transformed and sanctified, to be made mighty, to be called his children. Sister Scriptorians, I hope that you have developed a love for Isaiah. No doubt there is so much more contained in these verses than what I was able to pick up. I know that through the spirit of prophecy and diligence in studying the words of this great prophet, we will have our minds and our eyes opened to additional truths waiting to be revealed the next time we read. I hope you no longer dread Isaiah. I hope when Isaiah comes up at church that you'll have the confidence to stand up in Relief Society or Sunday School and testify of your love for Isaiah. I hope he is your friend now. I think he has proven his friendship to us by providing for us a gift that this episode tried to capture and put together for you. Make it a great day.